morning, everyone. I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 6 through 10. As we begin, as Pastor Brett said, our sermon series on spiritual training. This series will take us all the way to Advent, and each week what we'll be doing is we'll be going to God's Word and looking at how the Lord has instructed us and commanded us to train spiritually. For even as we were reminded in the young disciples' time, that it will take training. We can't just be observers. We can't just learn. But we need to begin to apply what we have learned in God's Word. So let us turn our attention now to 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 6. Hear now the Word of the Lord. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. This is God's holy word for us as people. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you now and we present before you, Lord, this series of sermons on being trained for godliness. We pray, Lord, that You would bless this with Your Spirit. Father, and we ask that specifically this morning, that You would give us hearts to receive Your Word in faith and in love, to lay it up in our hearts and to practice it in our lives. And we pray it in Christ's holy name. Amen. Superficiality says Richard Foster, is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but deep people. You see, whether we are speaking about literature or history, music or philosophy, our culture is filled with people whose access to instant and incessant information has made us, by and large, a people who know about a few, uh, many things, but rarely know much about one thing. We have learned to play two or three chords, but when life demands Mozart, we, the shallowness of our musical ability is exposed. We dabble, we play, we Google We WebMD, we Wikipedia a topic, and we feel satisfied with the few facts that we can share about the Beatles music or hypoglycemia or the death of Michael Servetus. And yet we know nothing of music theory. We don't have a clue about biochemistry and have no historical context for understanding why an anti-Trinitarian might be executed in Geneva in the 16th century. And our superficiality runs much deeper than shallow research. 
For it's extended even to our traditions, our heritage, our relationships, and our spirituality. And this shallowness, as Richard Foster says, is a primary spiritual problem. Because Christianity will not be sustained without depth. Holiness will not be attained without a weight to our faith. Or to put it simply, a vital spiritual life takes time and effort to cultivate. And maybe this morning you are feeling a bit shallow in your spiritual life. If someone were to ask you a question like, how has the Lord been working in your life recently? Or what has the Lord been teaching you through His Word? You might feel exposed by such a question. You might think, man, I'm just trying to survive work schedules and family life. It's a miracle I'm even in church this morning. So don't ask me those types of questions. You feel maybe a little bit guilty about that. But don't be too ashamed because most of us are struggling to find depth in our faith. Most of us are out of shape spiritually. Now the mission of Rivermont is to seek the renewing of lives through God's compelling love in Lynchburg and the world. We seek to see lives renewed and changed through God's love. We desire to see the redemptive power of Christ change lives, to bring depth, to bring vitality and holiness. We desire to see the gospel go forward in power so that the lost might be saved and that the saved might progress on towards greater depths of maturity. But this mission will not be accomplished haphazardly or by accident. Growth and cultivation will not be accomplished without effort and striving and training. This morning, again, we begin our fall sermon series on the disciplines of the Christian faith. You see, we are calling this series spiritual training to help communicate that godliness and depth in our walk with Christ will take time and consistent effort as any training does. To reflect the language of the Apostle Paul who said about this pursuit of godliness, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I should be disqualified. Or as we even read this morning in verse 10 of our text, for to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God. This morning we begin with an introduction and an overview of the spiritual disciplines. For it's important that we do not run aimlessly in our pursuit of spiritual depth, nor that we run in the wrong direction. And our hope is that through God's Word this fall, you will be equipped to run the race for God's glory and for your good. Now, there are four things that I want to cover this morning about the spiritual disciplines and how to exercise for depth and vitality in your relationship with Christ. For we want you to train with the proper practices, the proper purposes, in the proper posture, and with the proper power. We'll be covering practices, purposes, posture, and power. So first off, we must train with the proper practices. The spiritual disciplines are not random. They're not even pragmatic exercises for gaining spiritual depth and vitality. Rather, true spiritual disciplines are 
biblical practices that have been ordained by God to bring about growth towards godliness. This means that there are proper and improper means of exercising spiritually. We see this reflected in our passage. Paul says, if you look there in verses 6 and 7, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. You see, proper spiritual practices begin in the Word of God and not in the wisdom of the world. There are those practices that are proper and those that are improper. There is good doctrine. There are the words of the faith. And then there are silly, irreverent myths. Spirituality is a rather popular topic today. However, much of the spirituality that we run into in the broader culture has been untethered from the Word of God. It finds its roots in Eastern religious practices that have nothing to do with True biblical spirituality. Practices like chanting mantras, repeating prayers over and over again, or getting yourself into an altered mental state through extreme bodily deprivation or even narcotics. And within the church, there are many false forms of pursuing spiritual depth. People will use icons or images, pictures of Christ in their worship. They will engage in extra-biblical rituals or they will use emotion devoid of truth to reach spiritual highs. Yet the Word of God has given to His people means by which His grace will be communicated to them. He has given them proper practices that will lead to growth and strength in the faith. The two cornerstones of these practices are the Word and prayer. Hearing and reading God's Word and returning it to Him with your words. And from these two practices flow all the other means by which God will cause us to grow in godliness, such as meditating on God's Word, fasting for times of prayer, the discipline of serving and sharing God's Word through evangelism, the discipline of giving and the discipline of remembering the Lord's day to keep it holy. You see, these are the practices which God has promised to bless with His Spirit, and these are the practices which His Word commands us to follow. One of the hallmarks of the Reformed faith is that God alone has the right to determine how we are to worship and pursue and glorify Him. We are not called to bring, to make up our own means of gaining access to God, for we must follow what He commands in His Word. You see, if you want to become a better runner, you run. If you want to become better at the piano, you practice the scales. If you want to improve your Spanish, then you speak Spanish. You're not going to get better at golf by watching TV. You're not going to make gains in your culinary skills by going for a run. Each pursuit in life has certain practices that will lead to depth and maturity. And for those who would seek to gain depth in Christ, we must train in the proper practices of the faith founded on the Word and prayer. And yet maintaining the proper practices are not enough. 
For there are many who have given themselves over to the spiritual disciplines, but still fail to grow spiritually. Rather, they grow in legalism, pride, and even superstition. A pastor once wrote about a college student who was very diligent about his morning devotions, his time in the Word, his time of prayer. And when the pastor, who was encouraged by this devotion, asked the student, what what led you to your consistency in your time in God's Word and prayer? He replied, well, I don't want anything bad to happen to me. Somehow it had been communicated to this young man that the purpose of prayer and the Word was to avoid sickness, to avoid accidents or bad grades. But what does the Apostle Paul say? What does the Word teach us about the purposes of spiritual training? Well, in verse 7 it says, rather straightforward, train yourself for godliness. You see, the purpose for the spiritual disciplines, for reading the Word, for engaging in prayer, is not so that your day will go better, or so that you will have anything, not have anything bad happen to you. The purpose of the spiritual disciplines, the purpose of training yourself, is growth in godliness. Now, what is godliness? Well, the Greek word actually isn't connected to the word God at all. It literally means good or right worship. It is living in accordance with God's desire for your life. And Paul is saying that we need to train ourselves to practice good or right worship in our lives. Holiness, righteousness, piety, Christ-likeness. This is what our purpose is. The desire to be conformed to the image of Christ. This is key. This is what we are pursuing after, a desire to be conformed to the image of Christ. To be changed. To be renewed. To know what it means to die to sin and live to righteousness. To begin to see the fruits of the Spirit come forth in our lives. Not to fake or to pretend, but to be so formed after the image of Christ that we walk in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. That goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control come forth from our lives. You see, our purpose in pursuing the spiritual disciplines must be proper. It cannot be to gain acceptance before God. For our acceptance is solely based upon grace to us in Christ Jesus. We come by the blood of Christ, not by our effort. We don't train ourselves for salvation. Salvation is given freely through the blood of Christ shed on the cross. Our purpose cannot be to impress others with our knowledge and piety. Look how many verses of Scripture I've memorized. Look how holy I am. And it can't be for protection or to have a nice day to make sure that everything goes right for you for our purpose must be to be transformed to the image of christ to be holy as he is holy to be humble as he is humble to love as he has love for the proper purpose of spiritual disciplines is godliness now in a culture that has limitless information It's often difficult to connect action with that information. 
Neil Postman in his book, Entertaining Ourselves to Death. It's a great book. You need to get it if you haven't read it. Entertaining Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman. He speaks of this disconnect. He says, most of our daily news is inert, consisting of information that gives us something to talk about, but cannot lead to any meaningful action. You see, we may ask ourselves, what are we planning to do in response to a myriad of issues that come up, which are raised by news media? What will I do about terrorism? What will I do about inflation? What will I do about the national debt or unemployment or racial tensions? Postman says in response to these questions, I shall take the liberty of answering for you. You plan to do nothing about them. You may, of course, cast a ballot for someone who claims to have some plans as well as the power to act. But this you can do only once every two or four years by giving one hour of your time, hardly a satisfying means of expressing the broad range of opinions you hold. Thus we have a great loop of impotence. The news elicits from you a variety of opinions about which you can do nothing except to offer them as more news about which you can do nothing. You see, we have been trained not to act but to merely comment on what we have been taught. And this breakdown between information and action threatens the very foundations of Christian spirituality. For there will be nothing revolutionary about what you're going to hear this fall. We're not going to say anything that's groundbreaking or new. And I don't mean to undersell what we're going to do here, right? But the question is, will you respond? Are you willing to put yourself in a posture of submission that will hear the call to pray and you will begin to pray? Will you take a posture of humility that will hear the call to fast and as able you will fast? Will you put yourself in a way that you will begin to read and meditate on the Word of God? Will you prepare yourself to take action as you are called according to God's Word to do? For the pastors will call you to respond. Not with comments or words or opinions, but with actions. Even as Paul says in verse 10, For to this end we toil and strive. We toil and strive. Godliness will require that we toil and strive. It will require action. It will require that we put some sweat into what God is calling us to do. And are you willing to submit yourself to act upon what you hear each week? Are you willing to take the proper posture of response to the information that is presented? You see, again, we're not going to be calling you to anything novel or outrageous. We are going to be putting, we're not going to be putting religious burdens upon your back. Rather, we are going to be giving you practical ways of engaging in the biblical disciplines of grace rooted in the gospel and aimed at Christ's likeness. This past week at the 60s plus luncheon, we heard a great talk given by Jared Rule, who is the owner of CrossFit Lynchburg and a member of our church. He shared some very practical information about what he calls functional fitness in our later years. He gave some simple ways that we can remain active as we grow older. 
But you know everything that he said will be useless if it's not practiced. You gain no strength or endurance or agility without response. And you hear and see hundreds if not thousands of pieces of information every week. And it's natural to put you in a posture of recline. A posture of inactivity. But if you would train for godliness, you must have a proper posture of response. You must have James 1.22 before your eyes. But be doers of the Word, not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For as we begin to practice what God has called us to, we have great confidence and hope that we will grow in godliness. You see, we must have the proper practices, purposes, posture. And finally, we must train ourselves for godliness with the proper power. No doubt it's easy to misunderstand a call to striving and toiling as a call to self-reliance and works righteousness. However, the power that we have in our spiritual training is not of ourselves, but it is of the Spirit of God. Even as Paul exhorts the Galatians, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Yes, we must be willing to train in the spiritual disciplines, but the power towards growth and godliness will not come from within, but rather from the Spirit of God. Again, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, But by the grace of God I am what I am. And His grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. The pursuit of Christ's likeness and maturity, the pursuit of spiritual depth, requires us to toil and strive, but never according to the power of the law or the flesh. Never out of guilt or obligation. Never out of a desire to earn acceptance or merit, but rather we train with the power of the Spirit. We work harder than anyone else, though it is not us, it is the grace of God within us. You see, these practices, practices do us no good if we don't begin and continue with the grace of God. We must begin and continue our pursuit of Christ-likeness with Christ. For if we are pursuing Christ-likeness apart from Christ, apart from His grace, apart from the cross at which we begin this journey, then we will not see gain in godliness. We will only be deceiving ourselves. But if we go to the cross, if we place our faith in the blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of sins and the freedom from the power of sin, then there we will die to sin and we will live to righteousness. For there is no power in the flesh to grow in godliness. However, when we submit ourselves to the biblical practices of reading God's Word and prayer, the Spirit blesses and empowers these pursuits so that we might be transformed by the renewing of our minds, so that we might be transformed from one degree of glory to another. The proper practices are biblical. The proper purpose is godliness. The proper posture is action. And the proper power is the Spirit. This is how we will move towards depth and maturity in our faith and overcome the superficiality of our age. And so over the next several weeks, 
Come prepared to respond. Come with a willingness to submit to the leadership of your teaching elders. For we, by God's grace, are seeking to lead you to Christ-likeness through the biblical practices of spiritual training. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come to you now. Lord, and as so often as we begin training, we begin a new practice, there is excitement about what we will be doing. Lord, but we know that the journey is long and even a lifetime. And so we pray, O oh God, that Throughout the fall, as we hear a call to prayer and to your word and the various ways that it calls us to grow spiritually, that we would indeed experience the power of your spirit, giving us the encouragement, giving us the energy, giving us Lord, all that we need to grow, to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we do pray. Amen.